Everybody and welcome back to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host, and today on the show we have Priscilla Shire, and actually she's going to be on the show for the next couple of days, talking about a message entitled "The Seven Last Words." Basically, she's talking to us about the importance of abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ. Jesus is not some person that we just come to here and there and when we feel like it or when we feel like we need him or whatever. Jesus is meant for us to have a wonderful, intimate, ongoing friendship and relationship with every day, day in and day out. He's, for me, he's my best friend, somebody that I talk to all the time as I go throughout my day. He's he's meant for us to abide in and constantly communicate with, constantly commune with. And it's not a chore, you know, it's a blessing. And I'm so thankful for that. And so Priscilla's hitting on that in these next couple of episodes. Here's Priscilla. Well, for about 10 years or so, my family and I lived in a fairly rural part of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We planned it that way when our children were little. I've got giants now. My oldest is 18, like six foot, three inch tall. Then I've got a 16-year-old. He's about six foot two inches tall. And then I've got a 12-year-old, but he stands the exact same height as me. So I am being outgrown very quickly in my household. And when they were younger, we spent 10 years living about 10 minutes away from the city so we could get there quickly. But we felt like we were worlds away. We would drive back to our home that was on a lazy little two-lane road. And we enjoyed it back there because, you know, there were things that three sons need in their lives, like bugs and mud and trees and stuff like that. Anytime the boys would come to me when they were growing up and say, Mom, I'm bored. I would say, no, you're not. You see that tree out there? Go and play with it. I don't care what you do with the tree. You can play tag with the tree. You can eat the tree. I don't care what you do, but you're not going to be bored out here in the country. Enjoy yourself. One of the things I loved most about living out there was that my neighbor, who happened to be one of my closest friends, she has a pond in the front of her property. I cannot tell you how much we have enjoyed this pond. We would go over and fish as often as we could. We would go and throw sticks out on the pond. Her dog would go out and swim into the middle of the pond and go grab the the sticks, retrieve them and bring them back. I mean, my boys had so much fun growing up by that pond. But do you know, it was very interesting as we lived there one year after the next, one Texas summer after the next. There was one summer in particular where I noticed that during a drought, when the skies were shut up, there was no rain, that Rachel's pond, Tom and Rachel, our neighbors, still had water in it. The level was a little low, but there was still water there. The reason why this was particularly intriguing to me was because there were other neighbors throughout this particular area of the city that also had ponds. When I was jogging or walking with my children or when I was driving around, I could see other properties that also had ponds uh, beside or in front or even in, in the back of the property. And during this same summer, when my neighbors across the street still had water, even with low levels in their pond, I noticed that some of these other ponds had no water at all. It actually just began to look like a big hole that was sitting in front of their property. No rain coming down, no water filling it up. 
there was only one difference I would learn between Tom and Rachel's pond and some of those other man-made ponds in the neighborhood. Tom and Rachel's pond was a spring-fed pond. That meant that down there at the deepest parts, about 15 to 20 feet down, there was this continual bubbling water supply, an internal water reserve that offered continued fulfillment and continued sustenance and continued nourishment so that regardless of what the atmosphere was like, regardless what the weather was like, it still could maintain its water levels. Different ponds, but they're in the same environment experiencing the same deficiency, the exact same lack, the exact same insufficient supply of precipitation, and yet they have two very different results. And the difference is one has an internal supply and the other one does not. Oh, I wish I was face to face with you right now. Because if I was, I would lean over and look at you eye to eye. In fact, if we were sitting with each other just one-on-one with a cup of coffee between us, I would lean over and look at you eye to eye and tell you something from this vantage point of life that I am so glad was emphasized to me over and over and over again when I was 20 and then at 25 and then at 30 and then at 35 and at 40, the people that loved me the most and cared about the nourishment of my soul emphasized to me something that I want to express to you as clearly as I possibly can in these few moments that we have together. The older and older I get, I realize that without an ongoing, effervescent, fervent nourishment coming up on the inside of you, you will not be able to have the sustained hope and peace and joy and contentment and grace and fulfillment that you are going to require when the atmosphere of drought swirls all around you. And if there is one thing that this last season that all of us have been through has taught us, you know, with all these disappointments and all this hardship and all this isolation and all this division and all this unrest and all of this sheer unprecedented drought of recent times, it has shown us this undeniable truth that we need something on the inside of us that does not require external circumstances in order to keep it steady and in order to keep it strong. This is one of the messages that was so critical and so important that Jesus wanted to express to his disciples that 24 hours before his crucifixion, this is what he wanted to tell them, that an internal source of fulfillment was gonna be the thing, the only thing that was going to be able to sustain them through what he knew was coming next. Their hopes were about to be dashed. Their dreams were about to be squashed. Their hearts were about to be broken. In 24 hours or so, Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. All their hopes were pinned on him. Jesus knew that this disappointment was coming. And so in one of his final messages, he expresses to them the need to have something that is independent and does not rely on external fulfillment in order to continue to sustain and nourish. Now, I want you to consider how you would feel If a loved one, somebody that you care about deeply has some final words that they want to share with you and they know that their time is coming to an end. They know that they only have a few words that they can share with you, only a few more hours that they are going to have in your presence. If you had that type of opportunity, wouldn't you lean in and listen more closely? 
Wouldn't your ears be more peaked because you don't want to miss anything that that individual that you love so dearly and desperately is going to say to you? Not in their final words. You don't want to miss anything. The disciples are leaning in because Jesus is carefully and very decidedly and intentionally sharing with his 12 most beloved friends exactly what he wants them to know before he is crucified and then of course is raised from the dead and then is ascended away from them. He has just finished what would be the last supper. He has just washed their feet. He has just predicted his betrayal. He has just told them, let not your hearts be troubled. He has just reminded them that in my father's house, there are many mansions. He has said to them that I'm going to ask my father to send another helper to you, the Holy Spirit. He has said to them, my peace, I am going to leave with you. And on the heels of this meaningful meal, he leads the disciples away from the dinner table and out of the city through the winding streets of Jerusalem up toward the Kidron Valley on the way to the Mount of Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane is within the Mount of Olives. Everything that is about to transpire next in in terms of the crucifixion is going to begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. They are on their way there toward the Mount of Olives, down these dirt paths where they would have passed through the familiar community that the disciples knew so well, the flat top roofs that they would have passed while they were on their way. And as Jesus led the disciples they would have passed by something that would have been extraordinarily familiar to them. Something that they would have seen day in and day out on every regular day when they were passing through this city. They would have passed well-blazed trails, tidy rows of carefully masterful, masterfully planned and manicured vineyards. They would have passed grapes. And I want you to consider the possibility that Jesus paused by one of the many vineyards that would have dotted along the path that they would have been traveling towards the Mount of Olives. Consider that he stopped beside one of these vineyards that represented joy and festivity and really did highlight the abundance of any community. He stops by one of these working vineyards and he says these words to them in John chapter 15, verse four. Seven words that if you can absorb it and hear it and align your life to it and take it seriously in your teenage years and then in your 20s and in your 30s and your 40s, your 50s and beyond, it can keep you well nourished even when there's a drought outside your window. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Simple yet profound in its implication. He said, I'm going to tell you something that is going to be one of the most critical messages I leave with you, my beloved disciples. If you don't do nothing else, abide in me. And I promise to abide in you. When the atmosphere around you dries up, when your health fails, when your friends betray, when the endeavor you've worked so hard on falters, when you're not appreciated or even noticed, when the road gets tough to traverse, when your loved one dies, 
when your ministry flounders, when your heart is broken, Jesus says there is only one thing that will give you the continued sustenance and nourishment that you need to have a well of joy and hope that overrides during time li- times like these. Abide in me and let me abide richly in you. Well, that was Priscilla Shire, and you can find that on YouTube if you search under Priscilla Shire, Seven Last Words. You can also find out more information at her website, which is goingbeyond.com. I hope that you have a fabulous day today and that you will go live your 320 life more than you can imagine. God bless you.